sex. From a young age, we are surrounded by sex in the media. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. In the movies and TV shows we watch. I find everything sexual. Shut up and kiss me. The music we listen to and on the advertisements we see. Yet children and teenagers are not being taught enough about sex. Do you remember what you were taught in sex ed back in school? Do you remember being given the awkward sex talk by your parents when you were a kid? Many adults today still don't know a lot about sex due to lack of sexual education. Chantal Oten is a sexologist and an award-winning sex therapist and relationship specialist based in Melbourne. She says there is such limited sex education here in Australia. And the number one thing we don't get taught is the act of pleasure. From clients that you've seen or just people you've spoken to, what is a common sex subject that you've noticed that a lot of people weren't taught when they were younger and they are really eager to learn more about? Oh, everything. (laughs) I think that we have a really limited sex education at school. The main thing is that we just don't get taught about pleasure. We get taught about you know, reducing the risk of STIs and pregnancy. We get taught about our anatomies, but not really taught how to label them. So a lot of women don't know what their vulva is. They keep calling their vulva area their vagina. They don't know what a healthy labia looks like. They don't know that sex should be pain-free or where the clitoris is. And I mean, 70% of women can't orgasm through penetration, so they need clitoral stimulation. However, they're not getting taught that they're allowed to ask for clitoral stimulation, essentially. I think that men get to see a lot of pictures of their anatomy and women just don't get to see what a vulva looks like. So they get worried and self-conscious. And I think it's also communication. We don't get taught enough about how to communicate and ask for consent and, you know, put up boundaries. And that's a really tough thing because we start to turn towards pornography then for education. And pornography wasn't designed to be an educational tool. It was designed for entertainment. So we have a really skewed view of what sexuality and eroticism should be like from the media. And I think we need to just get back to basics and understand that sex doesn't even have to be about penetration and orgasm. It's about the journey of sexuality and having a really good time in the bedroom. On the other side of the world, in the US, things are not any better when it comes to sex ed. Writer, stripper, podcaster and sexual educator Elle Stanger says one of the key things we don't get taught about enough are STIs. I remember when I was in high school being told that getting an STI was something to be ashamed of. But in reality, that's not the case. We should be comfortable openly discussing STIs So then if we get one, we know how to treat it. Elle spoke to me about her experience getting an STI and why it was so important she knew how to treat it. Why is this issue important to you and why do you so often talk about STIs? So sex education in the United States varies greatly. There is no baseline. There's actually no requirement that information be medically correct in many states, which is very, very unfortunate. By the way, we're calling them STIs instead of STDs these days because they tend to be infections, not diseases. So really it was a misnomer. But So, like, I got chlamydia once. It was when I was having a few different partners, and I wasn't using condoms, and I was depressed, and I knew I wasn't taking care of myself. But most people don't have symptoms. About 90% of people, I've learned, 
do not have any symptoms, but I kind of did. I just smelled different and I felt a little different. You know, I have a good relationship with my pussy. So I went in, I got screened immediately. My doctor said a few days later when we got the results, you're right. You do have chlamydia. Here is a pill you can take. Don't have sex for at least one week. And also let me know if any of your partners need this pill as well. So no big deal, okay? I texted the people I was sleeping with. I let them know. The ones who responded well and without shame, I was like, cool, I'm going to keep fucking you, but I'm going to use a condom. The one who didn't, I was like, I'm never fucking you again. You're not mature enough for this. <laughs> you know, I took the antibiotics. I didn't have chlamydia anymore. But if left untreated, say I hadn't, say I was someone who could never, ever get a screening once a year or every couple years, because say they don't exist in my area anymore because the Republicans closed them all, which is what they've been doing across the United States, mostly in the South and the Midwest, closing a lot of clinics. So if left untreated, something like chlamydia, a bacterial SDI that I could get rid of with one pill or one round could actually make me sterile. It can lead to a lot of pain and discomfort. I can transmit this to anybody I have sex with. And if left untreated for long enough, it could lead to pelvic inflammatory disease, which can kill you if it creeps up into your organs. So in places where you can't screen for things, does it make sense why the STI rates and the harm, the long-term harm, is much more severe? We need to treat STIs like any other contagious infection or virus, which is without stigma, treat it fairly, and you have to give language so people can communicate to their other prospective or current partners about choice and protection. Because when I have sex with anyone, I can say knowingly, I've been screened three months ago, I haven't had any new partners, I have had um, herpes simplex 1, herpes simplex virus 1 since I was a child, and I know this because I get oral herpes outbreaks every year or so. That's what cold sores are. <laughs> it's oral herpes. About 50% of the population at least has this. They don't know it because no one tells us these things. If you have a cold sore on your mouth, you shouldn't go down on someone because you could actually transmit HSV-1 to their genitals. Usually genital herpes is called HSV2, but there's a couple things that can be complicated, but it's just stuff like that. I might have just given you more information than someone who went through an entire term of sex ed in junior high. Yeah, you definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so gonorrhea, syphilis, those are all bacterial. You can yep. take a round of antibiotics, check in with your partners, and then you don't have it anymore. Viral ones such as herpes, HIV, these are things that are typically harder to transmit but you can blood to blood or body fluid to body fluid and you know like how do people protect themselves if they don't have this kind of information like you can't get hiv from kissing someone just a peck on the mouth but you can from having unprotected penis in anus sex and say that there's some friction because nobody brought lube because lube isn't something we're taught about, and there's no condom because barriers aren't cool, and now you've just transmitted a serious virus via blood. People would protect themselves if they were taught these things, but we're not often taught these things. Absolutely. So other than STIs, what else do children and teens need to be taught more in schools for sex education? Because we're clearly not being taught enough. And I can also imagine as well when you have clients come into the strip club or you just talk to them the sex world might be something really new to them or something they're curious about because mm -hmm. they don't know a lot of information about it what do we need to start teaching our children and teenagers let's learn what our parts of our bodies are called you know that means their genitals that means penis vagina scrotum testicles you know all of those parts labia a lot of people who have a vagina don't refer to i mean they don't 
know what their vulva is. The vulva is the outer part that you can see. The vagina is just the birth canal that leads to the cervix and then the uterus. But I hear so many people referring to, I shaved my vagina today. And I'm like, "Mm, no, you didn't. That sounds painful. (laughs) You don't have hair growing on the inside of your birth canal or your fuck canal. You have it on the outside. You have it on your vulva. Um, So if you don't know what the parts of your body are called, it makes it a lot harder to describe, you know, if you're having pain or if something feels different or how to ask for pleasure. So let's learn what our parts are called so we can keep them healthy and safe and so that we don't hurt our partners with unhealthy practices. Something such as simple as wash your hands before you put a finger inside anyone's vagina is a great way to prevent a yeast infection. And I've spoken to so many people with vaginas, vulvas, who say that they know they got infections from partners who didn't wash their hands before play, but they were too nervous to ask them because we also have shame around yeast infections. So we need to just be honest about what bodies do so that we don't feel shame around natural desires or activities that we enjoy. And again, we have to look at the legislation that is created by people with a severe lack of knowledge, such as these old men who think that you can turn off your period um, (laughs) or that you should mandate burial ceremonies for aborted fetus cells. And then just language around consent. I don't think there's one exact right way to teach consent, but we could really do better with checking in. A lot of people hurt each other during sex because we are anxious and going too fast or because we're trying to mimic something that we saw in porn or on TV, but it isn't necessarily what our partner wants, but our partner maybe doesn't want to ask for what they want because they don't know how. Mm. So we have a lot of ways to go and it impacts people no matter who you are, just some more than others. So what needs to change in order for the next generation to know how to label their body parts correctly, how to ask for pleasure, and how to not feel embarrassed getting tested for an STI. Chantal lives in Melbourne now, but she comes from a Dutch background. She says growing up in Holland, people were so open talking about sex. I think it's a community effort. I mean, I come from a Dutch background, and we start learning about sexuality and consent when we are in grade four. So we start learning when someone says, like, no, they don't want a hug, then we don't give them a hug. I think that it's a community effort. It's the schools, it's parents, it's caregivers alike. And it's about promoting healthy, positive, empowered sexuality. We do come from a multicultural society and there's different religious and cultural influences that will impact the way that we are able to access sexual education. And that's something that's not really going to change a huge amount. So I think that if we can start And I think schools are already starting, actually, with giving better sex education. But probably parents do need some guidance and support on how to teach their children about how to communicate around sexuality and how to have safe sex as well. That's it for today for the Nasty Woman Club. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode about sex education. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a review and subscribe. For more stories on intersectional feminism, head on over to the Nasty Woman Club website and social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. I am your host, Demi Lynch, and I will see you all next week for another episode of the Nasty Woman Club, the sex edition.